Unlocking What Was Cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Anyways, enough of this best regard stuff. I think that it's finally time that I changed my email sign-off to You May Fire When Ready. I like that. I like that. Uh, just a little Tarkin uh, reference yeah. there. That would be nice. But, oh, we're live, Neil. Oh, well, Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a big week here for us, Mike. Uh, Leafs, the Toronto Maple Leafs, are in round two of the playoffs. Hogwarts Legacy is finally, probably, coming out to, on PS4 this week. But we're not here to talk about that, Mike. May the 4th be with you. Happy Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you as well, Neil, and you may fire when ready. Oh, I thank you so much. It's a great time to be a Star Wars fan, I would say. We've got some pretty good TV shows. We've got movies on the way. There's a new Star Wars game that just came out. All around, good, good, uh, pretty good Star Wars stuff. And we're going to talk about a classic Star Wars game today. So if you're listening to this episode, thank you so much for joining us on our annual Star Wars episode that we've now been doing for several years now. But before we jump into Star Wars talk, Mike, a couple weeks ago, you and I, uh, we visited ANC Video Games here in Toronto, a trip to a retro video game store that we love and a lot of locals in the city... Everybody knows about ANC Video Games. It's kind of the video game store to go to if you're doing any video game shopping. So uh, I guess we can do a quick rundown. What were some of the uh, the highlights of our shopping trip? Yeah, everyone seems to know about ANC even far and wide, like New York City. I remember yeah. when we were in New York City at a game store there, Video Games New York, I think it was, Neil. And the guy was talking to us. We said we're from Toronto. He asked if we go to ANC Games. We said, of course we do. And he's like, yeah, they, they get like a bunch of our, or we get a bunch of uh, their DS, their Japanese DS merchandise mm-hmm. uh, from there, which was kind of cool to see like, oh, like this is a pretty reputable, reputable establishment. So uh, just a nice <laughs> little shout out to ANC. And they had some good games when we were there, Neil. They had mm-hmm. uh, a couple of uh, solid GameCube games, but I did not pick up anything because GameCube is too expensive right now. And uh, yeah. I, I got enough at this point, but I know you can have, never have enough GameCube games, but I did not pick up uh, Four Swords Adventures today. One day I will, but uh, <laughs> uh, what I did pick up was a very interesting Wii game. I seem to be on the Wii hunting recently, uh, next console, of course, and uh, Rockstar Table Tennis was hmm. there. It- Interesting, interesting mm-hmm. choice. Now, is this like GTA with table tennis? <laughs> yeah, that's what I kind of was hoping for. It's it's actually, it's not, but it's a very good game. A very uh, realistic. It's developed uh, super well. You could tell they used probably the Bully Engine or something uh, mm-hmm. to, to create this on Wii. Uh, and it, it works fantastic. Like, it's it's actually a really good game. It's even in 1001 video games you must play before you die, which is really cool to see. A Battlefront 2 is not, somehow, but this game is. What? <laughs> so, I'm not sure uh, what what that says, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, Table Tennis by Rockstar uh, is in 1001 games, and so is Web of Shadows. That's in the 1001 video games you must play before you die, which is what you picked up, Neil. That was a great pickup. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed visiting ANC Games. The the store is it's, it has changed quite a bit in the last six years since I was going. Not in a bad way. I just mean in that there, I feel like that there's less and less games there, and more they focus a lot more on uh, board games and card games now, which is cool. A lot of people there playing Magic the Gathering or something, and you and I did our several laps of the store that we always do, and uh, the GameCube games have now been moved off of the wall. They're now in a shelf in the middle of the store, which is the natural progression of uh, video games as they 
<laughs> slowly uh, go obsolete. So that's a good sign to see that we are uh, always getting older. Um, I, I do love the uh, the Wii collecting that we're getting into, though, because I honestly feel like the Wii is going to be the next console to to start to shoot up in price with certain games. So really good selection of Wii games there. I'm glad to see that you picked up table tennis of all games. Uh, <laughs> good to hear that it's a good game. A few Wii games there that I thought about picking up, but uh, like you said, I was... Uh, checking out the games under the glass at uh, ANC Games, and uh, I saw uh, a PS3 game that had been on my mind for a while, and that was Web of Shadows, which is a classic Activision Spider-Man game on PS3, Xbox 360, and I believe Wii as well. Um, And it was priced at $100 and very good condition. Like, basically, as if the game just got opened and then returned right away. Grandma did not uh, want it. (laughs) <laughs> not a good idea for uh, for grandma and grandpa's 75th wedding anniversary but <laughs> i would love that for my 75th. oh my god yeah that's the uh yeah the 75th is the uh, the web anniversary everybody knows that <laughs> but yeah the uh the uh, employee took it out from under the case and i was just like can i take a look at it and they were like yeah sure and it was a hundred bucks and I, I do have some trade-in credit at the store. I had about $70 or $80, and uh, I was like, great, that covers most of it. So I paid the remaining $35 or so, and uh, I now own Spider-Man Web of Shadows, which is awesome. I can't wait. I haven't had a chance to play it uh, yet because I've been playing a lot of Battlefront 2 this week and mm-hmm. still playing some Thug any chance that I get. And I'm trying to clear my calendar for Tears of the Kingdom coming out in just a few weeks from recording. I don't want to be in the middle of anything when that game comes out because that's what I will be playing. So, yeah, picked up uh, Spider-Man Web of Shadows. I think I'm going to try and pick up the other two Spider-Man games on PlayStation 3 at some point, which are Shattered Dimensions and Edge of Time. Um, Because the Activision games are never going to come to any streaming services. They're always going to be on disc only, thanks to licensing deals with Activision and, uh, I guess, Sony. So... Yeah, those games are only going to go up in price, so I'm so stoked to finally have that in my collection. It's a great Spider-Man game featuring Venom and Wolverine, Uh, so it's basically like a spiritual successor to Ultimate Spider-Man, which is a game that you and I both love. Yeah, that was a great pickup. I'm I'm very supportive of that pickup for sure. I love that you got that. Uh, Great game. Friend of the show, Braden, really talks highly about that game. He always would talk about Web of Shadows being the best Spider-Man game. Some consider it to be the best Spider-Man game, even better than Spider-Man 2. So it's a a great pickup, almost as good as Rockstar's Table Tennis, but we can't all (laughs) get to that level, Neil. It's okay. No, we can't all make a fantastic uh, a fantastic table tennis game. I'd love to see Rockstar come back to the table tennis world. I feel like that that's very much uh, it's a I feel like that's very much an untapped video game market is the table tennis market. But speaking of Ultimate Spider-Man, Mike, that is of course a game that we covered back on the GameCube was cool podcast. For listeners that don't know, we have over 120 episodes from uh, from back in our previous project, the GameCube was cool. And uh, today we're celebrating a few milestones. So uh, why don't you hit us with some of our stats, Mike? Yeah, we are celebrating 150 episodes that have now gone live uh, for this podcast and this these two podcast series combined. That includes side missions, the bonus ones, the two-parters, uh, etc. So pretty exciting. 125 mainline episodes of the GameCube is cool. Now 10 mainline episodes over here and then a bunch of side missions and everything else. That all adds up to 150, one, the, the big 150. That's a pretty... Pretty big number for sure. We're also at 125,000 downloads total now, 
which is wow. pretty amazing. We ended, uh, of course, the GameCube is Cool podcast uh, with 100,000. That was uh, our kind of stretch goal, which we did make, which was really crazy to, to think about. But um, after three years now of podcasting, uh, almost three years, uh, going to be in a couple weeks, we'll hit our exact three-year anniversary. We'll have been at over 125,000 downloads. So not too shabby, Neil, not too shabby. No, that that's really good. I mean, when we started this thing, I I mean, I had thoughts that we weren't going to make it through the GameCube library, and now we're post GameCube library. We're now GameCube library minus ten or whatever you want to call it. Which is, uh, <laughs> really cool. A little World War II reference there for you, but uh, yeah, um, amazing. I'm very appreciative of all the support. We talk about this all the time, but I'm continuously amazed at all the support that we've had. I can't believe it's been almost three years since we first turned the microphones on. We're now into just about our fourth year of podcasting, so it's hard to. Imagine because I know that when we started this, we were looking at uh, at shows that had been on for two or more years. We were like, "Wow!" And now we're you know we're we're twice that, and uh, it, it's it's cool to think. And uh, yeah, thank you so much everybody for for listening. And uh, we're going to continue on with this podcast. But before we jump into the topic of today, Mike, it's uh it's the first episode of the month, and with that, we have to bring uh we have to bring on our mailbag uh, segment. What do you think? Sorry, you mean the mailbag. mailbag. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to be featured in our mailbag segment, you can do so by writing us a review on Spotify or send us a message on Instagram, Discord, Facebook, wherever it is that you uh, you want to talk to us on. We will read those messages on the show. Just like Mike, who's our first write-in today? Well, Neil, Slazer uh, Pato? Slazer Pato? I'm not sure how to say that, but uh, nope. a, a great friend of the show here, Slazer Pato on Instagram, writes, Hey, bros. Day before yesterday, I finished the GameCube podcast finally. I'm really excited for what comes next, and I'm so glad I could help with the PSO episode, Fantasy Star Online, uh, in the way that I could. For reference, it takes about five months to completely listen to the GameCube podcast. That's actually very interesting. So if anyone out there who has just jumped on the podcast now is like, you know what, what have these guys done before? Well, skip a couple episodes and then go into uh, the GameCube podcast. Uh, the GameCube is cool. Started around Mario Sunshine. That's what we always recommend. And um, that apparently will take five months for you. So if you want five months of your life to, to be dedicated to one console... Well, <laughs> we know. How. Boy, do we have a show for you? Yeah, yeah it, took, it took us a lot longer than five months to make all that stuff. So that's good to know that it, we have five months of content out there. Yeah, I was I was a little concerned there. I was like, PSI is that per square inch? I don't remember. We talked. We had an episode about tire pressure or something. I don't know. But next letter comes from Tadenes. I think we're 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 batting a thousand here with these uh, with these names today. Uh, from Discord writes in, loved the Meteora episode, guys. When you mentioned Gundam, it unlocked a memory from my Cartoon Network watching days. The ad in Australia used crawling as the theme. And then we have a link here to the YouTube video. Uh, yeah, I mean, these wounds. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm sure that a lot of uh, our listeners out there have memories of the first two Linkin Park albums uh, tied in with some kind of a show, a commercial, a music video, or their older brother or their older sister playing these uh, those CDs. So it's it's cool to think that even listeners in Australia can uh, can relate to uh, Chester Bennington's screaming uh, angsty music when we were kids. Yeah, I know, right? And yeah, that it's it's a really hype video. Like I, I honestly, I looked at that. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh damn! Like I want to I want to watch Gundam now. But <laughs> on Spotify, <laughs> of course, on Spotify you can actually write into us directly. Uh, per episode, I love that great new feature from Spotify. Zazie and Mateo uh, wrote for our ex- uh, an early internet experiences episode, saying, "Fun for a kid who never had to deal with all the annoying AOL beeps and noises to hear about what the past generation had, especially since it came from two nice young men." AFK. 
smiley face. <laughs> ah, why, thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, so I, I suppose that uh, Zazzy didn't grow up with uh, with the uh, AOL beeps that we, we had to deal with. So it, it, it must have been so different. I mean, I guess that's what the generational differences are, but it must have been so weird to have just been born into a world where the internet works. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll never know what that's like. Yeah, <laughs> very strange indeed. But the next letter from Spotify is from Andrew. Great episode, guys. MSN was the only way to communicate and meet up with a kid before phones. You had to go to said location and had no idea where they were. If they weren't there, you just went home. Hard times. Uh, Neil, you said totally meet true. up with a kid. Uh, he, uh, Andrew says as a kid. Oh, but, but as a kid. Sorry. It's <laughs> a very different connotation. <laughs> you as a kid meeting up with another kid is completely legal. Andrew was meeting up with another kid his own age. Uh, we do not want to uh, get into anything weird there, but I'm sure that that was – I'm not even going to say it. Uh, yeah. I mean it's totally true. At the t- As a kid, like we had no way of communicating with, uh, with, with our friends. If you set a time and a place to meet up and if they weren't there within about five minutes, you moved on with your plans. Yeah. This is why we used walkie-talkies back in the day yes exactly no uh, reading that when i when i saw it on spotify i was like oh my god this is so yeah this is this is so true uh definitely yeah just leaving it's like okay well like it's been five minutes i guess i'm just gonna go to my other friend's house like that's kind of what yeah. you just did or or <laughs> there and it's funny because there wasn't like nowadays like if someone bails on you or something i feel like there's so much more of like oh my god like what are you doing like like why didn't you tell me it's because we have this instant communication right but back in the day, it's like, oh, okay. Like, you just kind of forget about it immediately if someone bails on yeah. you when you're a kid. Yeah. I mean, the term ghosted was not a thing yet, but that's basically what it is now. And, and I mean, you kind of understood it, too. Like, if yeah. uh, if you were late, you were like, well, I mean, I would have moved on, too. So <laughs> yeah. it was kind of a mutual agreement that you had five to ten minutes to get to wherever it is that, that you agreed on on MSN. Uh, the next two Spotify write-ins here are from Joseph, who says, it makes you feel like Tony Hawk. Of course, talking about the Thug episode, episode not eight that we did recently. Not the early internet experiences? They don't make you feel no, like you're Tony Hawk? No, using AOL and Simpatico <laughs> didn't quite make me feel like Tony Hawk. And then from John, who says, cool episode from two nice young young men uh i'm assuming he's uh, talking about all the episodes that we've ever done because uh it always features you and i mike yes well i mean we have other nice young men and nice young ladies on this podcast of, mm-hmm. of course but andrew writes in to, on the uh format wars episode another patreon uh episode that we put out a couple weeks ago saying great episode on different video formats be interesting to hear your take on umd if you ever do a psp episode neil oh i 100% support an episode dedicated dedicated to the PSP. And uh, Andrew, I have some good news for you because uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, a game that I played specifically on PSP back in the day. So that's a pretty good segue, Mike. Why don't we jump into today's episode? That's right, Neil. Let's do it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 10 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast, the show about all things retro that we loved from our childhood. New episode every Thursday on every major podcast service. We are the number one podcast on the internet, hosted by people named Mike and Neil. You can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. Supporters at the $5 level get to submit a topic and vote on our monthly Patreon elected episode. All patrons get the show ad free. Last week, we talked about our early internet memories from the early 2000s. Thanks Thanks again to everyone who submitted a topic and took part in our monthly Patreon election. This week, we are celebrating Star Wars Day, May the 4th, by covering our first ever Star Wars game, not on a Nintendo console. Today, we are talking about Star Wars Battlefront 2, which is the sequel to the 2004 game simply titled Star Wars Battlefront. The series is mostly a third-person shooter video game based in the Star Wars franchise. Players take the role of characters from each franchise in either 
either of two opposing factions in different time periods of the Star Wars universe. Battlefront 2 was released on November 1st, 2005, developed by Pandemic Studios, published by LucasArts. It's on PlayStation 2, PSP, Windows, and Xbox, rates a 9 out of 10, priced today at around $25 to $40, depending on what console you're picking it up on, or you can do what I did and buy it for $12 Canadian on Steam. It's, of course, a shooter and an action-adventure <laughs> game. So, Mike, with that, what are your memories of playing Star Wars Battlefront Two back in the day? Ooh, well, uh, I mean, first of all, to start off this episode, uh, we talked a lot about Star Wars video games on episode 94 of the GameCube was Cool podcast, so please go back and check that out, because that was three and a half hours of great oh Star Wars content that we put out last year on May the 4th. Uh, we love that episode, so if you want to hear stuff that's not Star Wars Battlefront, it's all there. Literally, it's all there, so please check that out. But uh, uh, for me, Star Wars Battlefront and Star Wars Battlefront 2 specifically, I remember playing those at a friend of mine's house. Uh, he had it on uh, PlayStation, and... I was a big fan of it. I thought it was amazing. I thought it was the, the coolest thing ever. I thought it was basically my fantasy come to life. Because I don't think I ever actually played Battlefront 1. I think I only played 2. And I didn't play 1 until much later. Uh, uh, but 2 really stuck with me. I think also because the, the prequel trilogy had just ended as well. This was like the biggest time uh, for Star Wars in, in my mind. Uh, especially being like 12 years old. Perfect time to get really, really deep into Star Wars and of course Battlefront 2 helped with that a lot. So I remember playing it on PS2 and I remember really really enjoying it and all I wanted to do was just go back and play it all the time. But then my other friend got it on PlayStation Portable on the PSP and that was of course you Neil. Uh, I vividly remember when you got that game and I remember coming over and playing it with you and honestly a lot of times just watching you play it. This was a thing you did when you were a kid. You didn't you're like, oh, I don't need to play. I'll just watch you play this for hours. And we would play it all the time. Uh, I'm, yeah. I remember even, I'm not sure if it was at baseball or hockey or something, you would bring the PSP. Uh, and I remember people crowded around watching you play Battlefront 2. Uh, it's funny, the only memories I, I ever have of you playing Battlefront 2 are on the PSP. And that was just a small fraction of uh, of how much Battlefront 2 I played on, on PSP. I got... <laughs> I got the PSP Christmas of 2005. Uh, we were in grade seven. Uh, I remember specifically uh, delivering the paper route, constantly seeing advertisements for the PSP in uh, in Best Buy and Zellers and Walmart ads and uh, begging my parents for it that Christmas. They must have been so sick of me that year. Um, <laughs> but I did get the PSP for Christmas that year and uh, got it from Santa Claus, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, my sister was still young enough that we, we still had Santa in the house. Uh, I got that with, I remember I got the PSP with Happy Gilmore. You on UMD, yep. which was a great movie, and uh, a couple hours later, I would also unwrap Battlefront Two, which was from my parents. How did they know that Santa was going to give me the PSP? I still don't know to this day. Amazing. But uh, I remember that morning staring at. I'm, I have the case right here in my hands, and that morning looking at this case, just waiting to be able to play it, and seeing Obi Wan Kenobi, Ewan McGregor's Obi Wan Kenobi, and Darth Vader, a clone trooper on there, just the, the lightsabers, and thinking, oh my god, you know, I can I can play this console level Star Wars game on the go at all times. And that is exactly what I did for the next year or two, Mike. And as you said, we played it together. I played it at hockey. I must have logged at least 100 hours of Battlefront 2 on, on PSP. Uh, having never played Battlefront 1, because it was never on GameCube or anything, it was only on PlayStation 2, mm -hmm. this was my first experience playing a Battlefront game, but it didn't matter. You didn't need to have played the first game, and uh, the, the case made that pretty obvious. Like, you just needed to really 
I knew I'd be able to understand what was going on because I was such a big Star Wars fan at the time. I I had seen all of the original trilogy and the uh, the this, the prequel trilogy had just finished. You and I had seen the third movie in theaters just recently uh, before playing this game. So Star Wars love was still very much uh, on high oh, in, yeah. in, at Christmas of 2005 for sure. And uh, I, I have very fond memories of playing Battlefront 2 in, on car rides and in my bedroom and after school. Like uh, it, it was like that junior high era where I was starting to get into other interests too that I still love today. Like I would I would be playing this game while listening to to pop punk bands that I'm still into today or, or watching TV shows like Scooby Doo or Seinfeld and and so I have I have very fond memories of playing Battlefront 2 while I was getting into all of these other things that uh, that I'm still a huge fan of today. And it, it's funny going back reading reviews and watching gameplay of all the other console versions of this game and just seeing how bad the PSP version is compared to the other console versions <laughs> and how all the reviews say, you know, the PSP version is probably the one you're going to want to skip, play it on PS2 or Xbox. But I had a ton of fun with it. And it, it's it's just funny to see uh, the PS2 version being uh, the 51st best-selling PS2 game of all time, just behind Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3. And uh, it's the 20th best-selling Xbox game of all time. Mm. Um, and it's very popular on Xbox, which we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about later uh, with our uh, our caller who's coming on. It didn't rank at all on the place on the PlayStation Portable's ranking of the best games of all time, but I'm sure that when my mom went into Best Buy or whatever it was uh, that Christmas buying the PSP, she probably saw a Star Wars game and figured. Oh, my kid will enjoy this, I guess. And uh, that was one of those games where my mom, boy, was she right on that uh, on that purchase. Oh, I know. And I mean, this was like just the perfect time for Star Wars games as well. And and I think of Battlefront 2 being the bookend of like the great Star Wars games that were uh, coming out at the time. Like we had Pod Racer 99, uh, Rogue Leader in 2001, Galactic Battlegrounds in 01, Jedi Outcast in 2002, Knights of the Republic in 2003 and then the second one in 2004 republic commando in 2005 and then of course battlefront 2 in november of 2005 like that just that lineup is insane those are all amazing games and ranked very critically high uh and battlefront 2 being able to sneak in there doing something very different as well and and being such a good game uh with all these other games like in the span of six years that's so crazy and and you know i think the the big thing we're gonna be talking about about this game and about our memories of it and everything is the fact that it was able to mix the original and prequel trilogies seamlessly so so well the of course the campaign the story and everything with the uh, the clone troopers becoming stormtroopers and and the way that the um, the missions really integrate super well with each other like I I can't think of another piece of media that that really puts the two franchises I guess you can call them the two parts of the franchises together as well as this does. Yeah, it's not an easy thing to do. Like they and they didn't just make a clone trooper tie-in with the films based on everything that you saw in the movies. A lot of the missions in the game are not things that you see in the films. Mm-hmm. A lot of the missions are based on just quick snippets of scenes that you might see and they make entire 20 to 30 minute missions based on that. And they add flight missions to it as well and they have on-foot missions and they incorporate heroes and villains into the game that you don't see as much of in the original films, but you get to play as them. Like you finally get to play for me, at least I finally got to play a game as Darth Vader, which up until this point, 2005, I don't know if I, I had played one as Darth Vader. I had played a lot of pod racing and a lot of games where you play as, as stormtroopers or whatever, but 
uh, a lot of flight-based games where you're playing as, you know, an X-Wing mm-hmm. or a TIE fighter in the Rogue Leader games, but I finally got to, you know, you do well enough playing as the Empire in a mission. It's, you know, the screen thing, the, the message on the screen pops up, you know, do you want to play as Vader? Like, hell yeah, I want to play <laughs> yeah. as Vader. And, and you, you know, you're walking around, he's, he's this menacing, as menacing as you'd imagine. Like, he's not running, he's walking, you can hear the breathing, he's barely trying and he's slashing people down. He's this overpowered Sith Lord. Uh, it's amazing. And, and then, you know, you think that that's it. And then you play another mission and now you get to play as Yoda and Obi-Wan and Anakin mm-hmm. and Boba Fett and Jango Fett and Chewbacca and Princess Leia. It just kept on going and going and going. And then there's all of these maps from, like you said, they seamlessly, like I'm playing as the trade federation on Endor or something, or I'm playing as, yeah. uh, the rebels, uh, in, on, uh, in Naboo or something like I'm, I'm, you're putting these different trilogy characters in uh, different trilogies locations and it works. Uh, it works so perfectly. The music is fantastic in this game. Like they have all of the soundtracks from the movies. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's so crazy how much they were able to pack into this single game. That That's one of my favorite parts about this game is the music, the, the themes that go along oh with God. all the characters too. And yeah, the fact mm-hmm. that it just literally all the music from the two trilogies, it's perfect. It's everything that any fan would have ever loved. Like Battlefront 2 really, for me, seems like the culmination of all the great Star Wars games that we've ever had all rolled into one you know it's got the combat jedi outcast it's got the flying of rogue squadron it's got the story of uh, knights of the old knights of the old republic and it's got the fun of lego star wars like it's it it, it honestly uh, is just the perfect mix of, of everything here and and yeah like you said the amount of content that we have here that's all packed in that they did seamlessly and like there's there's i can't say enough good about this game for sure and a uh, big shout out to pandemic studios as well for making this game oh yeah we have to give a yeah huge shout out to pandemic i i mean as a kid you see the pandemic logo on the splash screens as you're waiting for the game to load up and doesn't mean anything at the time but years later when you find out about the developers themselves and and who made the games like you, you i have such a bigger appreciation for this company uh pandemic based out of wet westwood los angeles they were founded in 1998 by andrew goldman and josh resnick um, along with bioware they were acquired by elevation partners and placed under a vg holding corp which was eventually sold to ea mm-hmm. in 2007 uh, they were eventually closed by EA in 2009, which is just, they're just added to one of the many, many, many <laughs> studios that EA have bought and closed yep. and folded them into their other uh, their uh, endeavors and whatnot that they make, their sports games and their battlefield games. Uh, I, I did hear that when they closed Pandemic, 200 people were fired. Um, so a lot of the talent that worked on the Battlefront series are were gone and, and put to uh, obviously uh, placed under different studios and whatnot. Hopefully they all found other jobs, but um, their first game was in 1999. It was called Battlezone 2 Combat Command, and their last game was The Saboteur in 2009. Uh, and uh, you might remember them, Mike, because we talked about Pandemic on the GameCube was Cool podcast because they made Army Men RTS. Yes, they did. That's right, for the GameCube. Pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, glad to see that they... They uh, were able to to be on the GameCube was cool podcast, and they also <laughs> made Battlefront One and uh, Destroy All Humans, a great game. Love Destroy All Humans One and Two, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, that was a pandemic game, and then published by THQ, which has since come back, which is awesome. But 
Yeah, they uh, they specialized in the early Battlefront games. Uh, the Battlefront series itself, there are seven games in the series between 2004 and 2017. Surprisingly, it's only on eight consoles, two of those being Windows and Mobile. Hmm. But I guess not being on Nintendo hardware, that does slash out <laughs> a lot of different consoles. But if you were to play all seven games, uh, you'd be able to play as 44 different playable heroes, which is awesome. Uh, it was developed by Pandemic from 2003 until 2009. And since 2015, the series has been in the hands, for better or worse, uh, with EA. Uh, Battlefront 1 sold 4 million copies. Battlefront 2 sold 6 million copies. Renegade Squadron, which was a PSP exclusive, sold 250,000 copies. Sales unknown for a game known as Elite Squadron. Also sales unknown for a game called Mobile Squadron, which was on phones. And then Battlefront EA in 2015 sold over 14 million copies. And then Battlefront 2 in 2017 sold just over... 10 million copies so as a series we've got probably just over or between 30 and 35 million copies all in uh not counting the mobile game so a very successful series and uh (laughs) and again for better or for worse uh, obviously ea uh taking over and of course there's the lost battlefront 3 that we will be talking about later on in the episode but uh joining us today our first guest of the show is friend of the show jedi geek girl we're really excited to have her back on of course she's been an amazing friend of the show and also has uh, appeared on many of our episodes including our star wars episode exactly a year ago today on may the 4th last year so we're excited to have her back to talk about more star wars games and our first question to you jedi geek girl would be uh what is your favorite star wars game of all time Oh man, that is such a hard question. I cannot. I gotta cheat here, and I gotta go with three: uh, Knights of the Old Republic, mm-hmm. Star Wars, Battlefront Two, the original, the one that we're talking about today, mm-hmm. and Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Hmm. Nice. nice, and I, I, I don't think anyone would ever debate you on those three. That's probably for me at least. Knights of the Old Republic is probably my favorite Star Wars game. Neil, is this? This game we're talking about today is this your favorite Star Wars game? Oh my gosh, I, I that's a hard one. <laughs> I'm like like Jedi Geek Girl said, like I don't know. Like it's that's a hard question because I love pod racing on N64. Mm. We talk about that game all the time. I love Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds on PC and Rogue Squadron Two on GameCube are up there. But yeah, Battlefront Two probably like it depends on the day really. But if you're t- asking me today, which you are, I would probably say Battlefront Two uh, on PC is my uh, is my favorite uh, Star Wars game. There we go. Let's say we're all asking each other today what our favorite game is, and it's going to be... We'll say it's Battlefront 2 today, although Rogue Leader, as uh, as Jedi Geek Girl knows, is uh, another amazing Star Wars game that we'd loved for the GameCube. But unfortunately, this game did not come to GameCube. It was uh, on many consoles, like Neil said earlier in the show. But um, I guess our first question, our second question now would be, where did you first play this, and kind of how did you get into Battlefront 2? I first played it on the Xbox, but to give you a little history, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if I shared this on the show before, but obviously growing up, I had a GameCube, and the only way I really got to experience new games and new consoles was to cycle through the systems. Like, I would go to GameStop and, like, trade in my console and game for new and cycle, and during the period of time that I first played this game is when I traded all in for the Xbox and I was experiencing all the Star Wars games. So roughly around 2005 when this game came out is when I played it on the Xbox. Nice. And that's something I always wanted to do is play it 
on the Xbox, play it on, uh, with Xbox Live. Did you have a chance to do that and play it online? Oh, no. Oh, no. We did not have internet growing up. Yeah. <laughs> Neither did we really, as as yeah. uh, listeners might have heard on our last episode about early internet experiences. But uh, yeah, like Xbox Live, I'm not sure if you know about, there's, there's a ton of kind of downloadable content too, and, and a bunch of extra stuff that was specifically for Xbox Live. Yep. I think I was already aware of that, but like I said, I just never played online and even when I had the game again in my collection like a decade ago I didn't connect to the internet because I wasn't too right. much of an online gamer. I'm not too too much into the whole trash talking online gaming community. <laughs> yeah that was at the time when everybody online was it was basically just a like if you felt like you needed your your self-esteem to be knocked down a few pegs you would go on <laughs> Xbox Live and just get roasted by people five years younger than you or whatever. And it, maybe it's still the same. I don't really talk to people online either. I'm I'm the same way. I'd rather play local multiplayer or just against AI bots in this game, preferably. Uh, mm-hmm. Jedi Geek Girl, though, did you get a chance to play Battlefront 1 before playing Battlefront 2? Or was this your first experience in the Battlefront series? Oh, yeah, I played Battlefront 1. Yeah, I, I definitely played it. Okay. And then how did you feel the first game compared to the second game? Because I have seen a lot of... Uh, there's obviously a ton of comparisons between all four of the Battlefront games, but some people who were purists in the Battlefront 1 era didn't necessarily love the changes in Battlefront 2, some people vice versa. Did you think that Battlefront 2 was an overall improvement over Battlefront 1? For me, after I played Battlefront 2, I didn't go back and play Battlefront. For me, Battlefront 2, the original that we're talking about today, was a replacement of Battlefront 1, not a side-by-side, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I totally agree with that too. I think um, I mean we're going to be talking about this later on about kind of uh, Battlefront Three and what could have been there. Of course, uh, famous uh, tragedy in video games. But I, I I feel like if Battlefront Two hadn't existed, never came out, Battlefront One would be talked about today really really highly. And I think uh, you're absolutely right. Where Battlefront Two is basically the replacement for Battlefront One. You know, this basically fixed a lot of bugs it 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 changed some things for sure for the better uh and it really was just upgraded and a big thing to his timeline here right this is 2005 now this is uh november 2005 so the second trilogy now is done the prequel trilogy is finished in theaters uh we know what's happened uh, of course we have all the assets we we can actually tell the story completely where battlefront one was 2004 right the the uh the the movie trilogy wasn't finished yet yeah, it ties into the movies perfectly. I love I love how the story basically bridges the gap between all the movies of like, with like what the clones are doing and it's it's even pre Clone Wars the TV show too, mm-hmm. which they have to work around, but I'm pretty sure when Disney bought Star Wars, this game is no longer considered canon, right? It's now part of the uh, the Legends series. Yes, that that, that yeah, would yeah. be correct. Okay. That's too bad because I feel like this could still I'm tr- I'm trying to go through the campaign in my mind right now. I feel like it could still hold up as canon. I wish that they would bring this one back, especially. But what did you think of the campaign in this game when you played it back in the day? I really enjoyed the campaign mode. It, one of the things that annoy me about shooters is sometimes they have a lack of one-player mode. And if you mm-hmm. aren't into the multiplayer online mode, there isn't much for you to... And we'll get into this later... Like the original, the remake of Battlefront, I don't know what you call it, Battlefront <laughs> Deluxe or Battlefront, the latest one or whatever, that one doesn't yeah. have it. To me, there wasn't a lot of replayability, but with uh, mm-hmm. the campaign mode and so was Battlefront 2, the original, I really enjoyed it. It was nice having a story to follow and progress. I hate that 
it's just I, I hate the titles. The fact that EA <laughs> couldn't couldn't just do different titles for Battlefront. So now every single time I look at Battlefront Two, I have to like do two thousand five beside it. <laughs> yeah, I know that was super irritating this week. Doing any kind of research or anytime you're trying to do any facts, you have to double check to make sure it's not about the two thousand and tens Battlefront games. It it was a nightmare. They should have called it like Battlefront Reboot or like just change the naming convention completely. But let's just assume for the rest of this conversation, we are always talking about <laughs> Battlefront 2 from the early 2000s. Yeah, this campaign is so cool. I, I felt like I was robbed, unfortunately, because like I said at the beginning of the episode, I originally played this game on PSP. I logged probably over 100 hours of this game on PlayStation mm-hmm. Portable, not knowing that I was missing out on the campaign. And every time people talked about the campaign of Battlefront 2, I always thought they were talking about the more challenge modes that are there on PSP. It's not really a story. It's more just challenge to challenge. And then there's also Galactic Conquest and the Instant Action, which is where I played the majority of the game. But finally getting a chance to sit down and play the six to eight hour campaign this week on on PC, I was blown away by the chapters that they included in here. Some were basically taken right from the movies, but some were incredibly dark side stories that you didn't ever get to see in the movies like two levels that really stood out to me in the campaign were uh during order 66 i think that might have been my favorite campaign in the game where Mm -hmm. you're going through the jedi temple and killing all the jedis and the jedis are trying to destroy their library which was an incredibly impactful level or mission within that level to me it's like oh my god this is there's so much more to see here than than what they showed in the films um was there anything in the uh, campaign that stood out to you Oh my goodness, this was so long ago. But for me, I think what really stood out to me about the campaign mode is, and this applies to like free play mode too, but you are obviously progressing through the campaign, but you get to play as characters. Like during the the level that you were talking about, I believe that you you can get the opportunity to play as Anakin Skywalker. Yep. my memory serves me correctly and that was really something that stood out to me but I always remember the Naboo level because obviously the clones weren't around in the Phantom Menace and how they incorporated that into the story and yeah Mm -hmm. to me unfortunately it's been a while that I don't quite remember I just remember that there was a time jump where obviously the clone troopers became imperial troopers and it didn't address how that transition happened in that story or whatever but I just remember it's like okay here's Revenge of the Sith and then we're jumping to the Empire period. Yeah, there was mm-hmm. there was a level where I, I I kind of considered it as part of the movie timeline. So the Naboo level where you were talking about you're assassinating basically the new Queen Amidala after Padme dies. Spoilers for episode three, I guess. But after <laughs> after Padme dies, um, I, I'm assuming that they replaced her on Naboo, and you have to assassinate this new queen who's like now the separatist from the Republic. And then, like you said, there's that crossover between the Empire or the clones becoming the stormtroopers, there's a level where you go to Genosis and you have to kill all of the... It's stormtroopers fighting against clone troopers. Very confusing, the fight against stormtroopers. But it's basically like these holdout clones that are still fighting against the clones that became stormtroopers, basically. So it's like this really weird like split between the armies where... You've got the clones that have all been flipped and now they're killing Jedi and ones that don't want to. So there's levels in the game like that that are just so cool and add so much to the original trilogy, I think. I'd love to go back now and watch the three movies again, now having the context of this game and the campaign and just imagine that it's still canon. In my mind, it'll always be canon. But (laughs) Yes, see, this is what confused me is uh, as a kid playing this game, right, and and the the clones becoming stormtroopers, but that's not Mm. what actually happens. 
uh, the clones end up just dying out basically, and then the Empire replaces them with just people, and because it's it's cheaper, honestly, is uh, we kind of learn that in the Bad Batch when um, Tarkin, uh, you see animated Tarkin kind of talking to the Camino uh, people, which I thought was a really cool scene, by the way, but. Um, uh, yeah, so as a kid, I always thought that the clone troopers were the stormtroopers, and mm-hmm. I thought that until uh, episode seven, Force Awakens, when Finn takes off his helmet. I'm like, wait, 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 hold on, that's <laughs> not Tamora Morrison. That's uh, <laughs> this is someone else. Like, what the? What, I don't understand. And and then uh, that's uh, obviously how I learned. But uh, yeah, I felt like a fake fan in that moment. I was <laughs> like, man, I've been following Star Wars for like my entire life, and I didn't know this. Like. Battlefront 2, I blame you for this one. <laughs> if you really enjoyed that exploration, and Mike already touched upon this, it's definitely the Bad Batch series. It's great for telling that story. I highly recommending, recommend watching it. And the second thing is, is canon legends, it, it, just because it's not canon doesn't mean it's not a valid story. And mm-hmm. I always look at it as two different timelines. Like Marvel, you got the Marvel Cinematic Universe and then you have the Marvel Comic Universe and then you have the Ultimate Marvel. It's just a different timeline. Uh, because otherwise, if you look at like a certain material and you'd be like, oh, this is not canon, that shouldn't justify if it's a good story or not you know i love that's very true yeah i'm gonna live my life now considering now that there's two star wars timelines i never considered (laughs) it like that but that's a really cool way to look at it it's totally true though like the same way that marvel has kind of split themselves now we have the pre-disney timeline and the the post-disney timeline so yeah that's cool i I like to exist in in this timeline it's cool and and i love Mm. like like mike said how he didn't know watching the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy when the clones were clones and when the stormtroopers weren't clones and all that because it is confusing as a kid wondering what happened to all of these clones but that's what this campaign does is the um the narrator in the cutscenes Tamora Morrison who's uh it's awesome talking about like his memories of all of these these battles that he had been in Basically, yeah. he had been in every battle from episode <laughs> two uh, on the the battle of um, with uh, what's the battle called? Not Genosis. The one where the city's uh, being destroyed, basically. I forget what it's called. It's very quick in episode two, but he's in everything from basically mid episode two from the start of the Clone Wars all the way up until at least Hoth. You're not supposed to know if he dies on Hoth or if he keeps going, but he talks about all these memories from the wars in episode two, episode three assuming the Clone Wars as well, Order 66, and then the game ends on Hoth. So uh, I love I love jumping down the internet rabbit hole this week of like all the theories of who the clone talking was, uh, because mm. at the time we didn't know like a bunch of clone names the same way that we do now, thanks to shows like The Bad Batch and The Clone Wars. But the three that they narrowed it down to were Captain Fordo, Alpha 17, and Commander Cody. So it'd be really cool to know if like one day they actually uh, confirm who it is that's supposed <laughs> to be talking, because... As as is tradition, all the clones sound exactly the same. So hard to tell who it is, but I would love them to come out and say who it was. That'd be cool. I'd never thought of that, like Commander Cody. Like that's uh, you know, like classic. That's interesting. I mean, yeah, yeah. This uh, this game is the campaign is such a big part of it, and I, I think is pretty incredible that they were able to do everything they did in this campaign. And yeah, those those narrations and those little sequences, those cinematics, they're actually really well done. And I think they probably saved a lot of time and a lot of development time making these because they're just kind of gameplay, basically, mm-hmm. that is shown in a more cinematic view. And I think this is something that a lot of other uh, developers should try and follow even today. Instead of like, putting a ton of money into the voice acting, to the cutscenes, into really expanding that, focus on your great gameplay. Focus on a good story. Uh, because for me, like watching it again today, I was like, sure, this this looks a little rougher than things that are out 
20 years from now or like 20 years later which is now uh mm. but it still holds up great like it didn't impact my ability to to understand the story or, or get immersed in it i mean that's the name of the game here is immersion like this you really feel like you are in these battles and and then the narration by uh tomorrow morrison really really helps too so in terms of the actual game though there are tons tons of people you can play as tons of areas you can go to uh and there are four different kind of sides so to speak there's the republic side there's the rebels there's the dark side kind of prequel trilogy so the the, the cis the uh independent systems uh, confederation and then there's the empire and for me i know i loved playing as as luke uh for the rebels because that's what i loved doing as a kid and anakin when i could but a uh, jedi geek girl are there any great characters here that really stand out to you as uh, as playable characters that you could or heroes i guess that you could play as well, my favorite side to play as was the Republic. I really mm. enjoyed how the Republic felt, and obviously you had a whole bunch of different Jedi compared to the other side, uh, Force users, if you will, and the clone troopers are obviously trained, and they uh, they excel at war. I think of all the four sides thematically, uh, they are the best equipped because, you know, you have the Imperial Stormtroopers who are purposely undertrained. Mm-hmm. You have rebels who are just a ragtag coming together without training to fight against a large thing. And then you have the CSI, which are robots, which you would think would do well, but we see in the Clone Wars that they aren't quite all there when it comes to their accuracy and ability to uh, excel in war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that's I mean Republic was definitely really cool to play as, especially when the prequel trilogies had just or prequel t- trilogy had just finished. And mm-hmm. there's a bunch of you know there's Kenobi, there's Yoda, there's Mace Windu, uh, there's Kiadi Mundi uh, as well, uh, the guy with the big head uh, that you see in the Jedi Temple all the time. That was really cool to play as him. There's uh, Ala Sakura. She's like the one who's got the the green. I don't know what do you call those. <laughs> oh my god, tree like uh, she's a tree like. Yes, yeah. Like, yeah, thank you. Thank and you. And the head tails. Yes. Yes, head tails. Yes. Yeah, I guess they were trying to make her a thing at the time. She dies like kind of quickly on screen in uh, episode 3. Doesn't really have she might have one speaking moment in the Jedi Temple at one point. I can't remember now, but yeah, there are these two characters, uh Ki-Adi Mundi being the other one who are really quick deaths in uh, episode 3 that are playable mm-hmm. characters here, which is cool. I, I liked yeah. playing as both of those characters, actually. It was neat to to, to to fight with them and fight against the Trade Federation droids. Uh, really big fan of playing as Darth Vader, obviously. Having not really been, been able to play a video game up to this point where you get to play as Vader, um, there still aren't that many. Other than the Battlefront games, I would love a standalone game of just playing as Vader. But uh, it got me thinking, are there any characters from the... I guess we'll have to go with the original prequel trilogy or the original trilogy are there any characters that you would like to have seen in uh, battlefront 2 well before i get into that a couple of things uh number one mm-hmm. when you talked about favorite character to play as a uh, doc maul i love the uh, the speed of doc maul and the double yeah. lightsabers mm-hmm. uh number two a little known fact but uh ayla shakura was actually put in episode two. She originated in the expanded universe and due to her popularity, George Lucas put her in and that is why she has a bit of screen time in episode three. So it's just mm. a did you know fact. Mm, love that. When it comes to characters that I would have liked to seen in the game, I think it would have been awesome to see some characters that maybe didn't thematically fit but more were more fan favorite characters. What I mean by that is like Mara Jade was around. You could have put her as a bonus character. Well, 
she was around. She was a force user in the original trilogy in the Expanded Universe, so she could have worked for the Empire and you could have had her in there. So even though she wasn't in the films, you could still have her as a bonus character. So I think I would go with Mara Jade. Mm. That's a great choice. That is a great choice. Even like like for me, like Thrawn is someone who I would like to see Neil, uh, <laughs> in there. Like that's that's such a the, those the Shadow of the Empire. All those books are obviously fantastic uh, mm-hmm. that you've lent me uh, over the years, <laughs> and um and that's a character that we're finally going to see live action. Uh, it yep. looks like uh, with Ahsoka. Uh, which will be really interesting, but um, yeah, that would be a cool one to put in. Considering this was this did definitely did feel like a bit more of an expanded universe kind of uh, game, but uh, but there are so many characters in this already, which is really impressive. Uh, I, I mentioned the ones for Republic, but there's also uh, two different Lukes for the Rebels. There's uh, Pilot Luke and, and and regular Luke. There's Han Solo, Churi, Princess Leia, Yoda. Uh, we also have uh, Count Dooku, General Grievous, Jango Fett, Darth Maul, Darth Sidious for the uh, CIS side, as well as uh, Asajj Ventress, uh, who is a Xbox-only uh, inclusion, uh, which is really cool. She was uh, originally in the the Clone Wars, the the miniseries, the one that's yeah. kind of like more anime uh, animated, uh, and she is Dooku's apprentice, and that was a really cool inclusion. Uh, if you did have the Xbox version, she was also in the Bounty Hunter game which was on uh gamecube so mm-hmm. uh pretty cool and then in force unleashed uh she can be uh, added as a cheat code if you uh if you enter acolyte uh, you can play as her so uh she's come up more and I, i'd like to see her in more stuff as well yeah ventress is awesome i loved her she was also in the clone wars the like the regular cg tv show um she, yes. she's awesome i was making like a list of characters like two from the clone wars would have been ventress and uh jedi master plo I really liked him in Clone Wars. I would have loved to have seen him in this game. That would be awesome. But also a few characters missing from the prequel trilogy for me and the original trilogy are Qui-Gon Jinn, IG-88, mm. Bosk, uh, Tarkin would have been really cool too. I don't need like, you never really see <laughs> him fight. people? I don't know. Just give him a gun. He's a general. Like, whatever. I think that would have been awesome. Like, you give Leia a gun. Give Tarkin a gun. Let's see what he can do. Uh, and then, like, even, like, another character that's coming up recently because of shows like Andor, but, like, Mon Mothma would have been really cool too. Like, let's let's see what she can do if she when she's in her fighting years come on give her a gun yeah. uh, a lot of interesting characters like uh like jedi geek girl said like from the the books and the comic books and uh now the cartoons like i, I know that they've added a whole bunch of new characters to the new ea battlefront games but in uh, in battlefront 2 2004 it would have been really cool to have seen some of some of these other characters from uh from the original and the prequel trilogy that were uh that were missing i don't know i, I don't qui-gon jinn was the weird one that was missing from the uh, list of heroes for me yeah, it was too bad to, to not see him there, but I feel like this this constant or this game concentrated more on like episode two to five, you know, rather than mm. the, the bookends seem to be kind of left out one and six. At least that was just like the feeling that I got when I was uh, playing it again. But um, uh, we do have to talk about some of the modes, of course. We we talked about the campaign. There's the multiplayer mode. Uh, Jedi Geek Girl, did you play multiplayer very much or was it mostly campaign and Galactic Conquest for you? Oh, I played a lot uh, out of the multiplayer. I played a lot with my brothers, and I have fond memory playing about it. Uh, Neil, you talked about playing over 100 hours of this on the PSP. I was thinking here, like, (laughs) I played that on the Xbox with my brothers, I'm sure. I just loved it. 
Oh, you had the better experience playing on an Xbox. I'll give you that. <laughs> I went back to playing the PSP version. I have no idea. Like, I got it in 2000 and Christmas of 2005, I got the PSP. That's, like, all I played for two years on that thing. And it's so cool. Like, the, I'm so happy that you got to play multiplayer with a with your brother in person. I played so much multiplayer just against no one on the PSP. And that was so much fun. <laughs> so I can't even imagine what it was like playing this game when you were younger uh, with a sibling. Did you have a favorite map that you played on in multiplayer? Oh boy, it was so long ago. But yeah. I think obviously for me, it would obviously be Hoth. Um, mm-hmm. Musafar was another one that really stood out to me. I, I believe there was two Naboo locations. I'm not sure. I know there were some planets that had two locations or more. And yeah, I think off the top of my head, without looking at a list of the maps, it would obviously have to be Hoth and Musafar. Nice. Yeah, those are great levels. Hoth is what definitely my favorite too. I loved playing that because I don't think. Oh no, you do play Hoth in the campaign, but it's it's near yep. the end. I didn't get there so most of the time. So. <laughs> that's um, the last level in the game. Yeah, that's I know. Awesome. That's right. <laughs> Hoth is the best in every Star Wars game, man. I I was a big fan of. Uh, I played Kashyyyk almost exclusively because it was like it reminded me of like a D Day level. It's because you're you know you're fighting yeah. you're you're defending the beach basically on Kashyyyk. It's awesome playing it as the Republic. You've got the Wookies on your side. You can play as Yoda, which is really cool. I love that level. Uh, worked really well on uh, on PSP too, because like uh, the city levels didn't quite work as well, just because the draw distance was so bad. You have to constantly mm, turn around corners, like it didn't work well. But since Kashyyyk was just one big massive open field, uh, it worked out a lot better for for me. And and going back to it, like I said this week. Uh, playing it on PC, I had no idea how many characters were actually supposed to be on screen. <laughs> that was another another funny limitation of the PSP is that it could only probably render like four to five characters on screen at a time. Uh, so it was really cool to go and play this level and see like literally 50 players on screen at once. It's like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm like having a... <laughs> this is literally what I've been missing out of all these years. It was so great to actually see what this game was meant to be. Again, really missed this game on GameCube back in the day. It would have uh, would have been appreciated. Uh, would have been appreciated. I would have loved that. But uh, there's also uh, the Jedi Temple on Coruscant, Yoda's Hut mm-hmm. in Dagobah, the Death Star. Uh, there's the clone facility in Kamino. There's Mustafar. Uh, there's uh, Naboo. Uh, there's Polis Massa. There's Tantive uh, Four. There's the two places in Tatooine. There's Mos Eisley and there's Jabba's Palace. Uh, there's the sinkhole at Utapu. There's Yavin 4. There's Geonosis. Uh, and uh, there's Endor. So those are all the different battle fronts uh, in this game. What about the uh, the space battles, uh, Jedi Geek Girl? Were you a fan of playing those ones? I personally couldn't get into them just because my brain doesn't work well with flight missions. Were you, did you play a lot of the flight missions in multiplayer? I, I definitely like the space battles, even though, like, every space battle was pretty much the same, except the planet in the background. Mm-hmm. But at the time, for what it was, I did really enjoy it, but the, the, the recipe of success was pretty simple. But if you wanted to try to do other ways to win, you could, but basically it was the same for everything. But, it it, it again, it was just, like, building upon what Battlefront one was and what battlefront three could have been if it was released Mm -hmm. but yeah i i really enjoyed it at the time for what it was what's really weird about the space battles in the campaign is that you can skip them which is really weird like you would see the prompt to play the the flight mission and then it would just say attack or skip and it would go straight to the on land mission again Mm -hmm. go back to the planet that you would fight on or whatever and i played the first space battle took me about an hour to beat it um, and, and then I was like, I don't want to, I, I don't want to do these anymore. And it's almost <laughs> as if, it's almost as if that the developers 
new or something. I don't know. It's so weird to have the option to skip the missions of the game that are obviously going to be the least popular. Uh, I appreciated it. It does cut down on the campaign length, obviously. If you look up how long to beat, this game is about eight hours in length. I, I played it. I think the campaign, not playing the space battles, takes about six hours to beat. So still a pretty good campaign, and, and you're going to get most of, your, uh, most of your enjoyment out of this game playing multiplayer and instant action, like we've already talked about. But you mentioned uh, leading this game into Battlefront 3. A lot of people know about the, uh, the infamous cancelled Battlefront game, uh, which was supposed to come out, made by Free Radical Design. Um, have you guys heard about uh, all of the uh, kerfuffle around the, the cancelled game? Mike, I know that you've been itching to talk about it. I have, but I don't remember all the details. I think one of the things that I remember that really stood out to me was the fact that you were supposed to have been able to go directly from the ground to space. Yep, that was the big one. That was uh, <laughs> this was one of those things that that you heard about for so many years, and uh, is such an interesting case. There's so many theories and why it got canceled, uh, but yeah, that was you. You nailed it. Ground to space, something that really hasn't been perfected since. I oh, mean, no, Starlink th- Battle for Atlas did it, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> you Starlink, uh, I mean, Mass Effect has tried to do it. Um, there's also No Man's Sky, which does it s- somewhat, but. This is just some a concept that was so cool that seems to have been done. I mean, we've had screenshots, we've had some videos of it too over the years that LucasArts has have taken down uh, off of YouTube. Uh, there's been a lot of a lot of stuff that has come out uh, in the years since developers saying that it was the game was 99% done before it got shelved. Uh, some people uh, erroneously think that it was actually because Disney bought it. That's not true. That was uh, about four years after because it got canceled in 2008, um, and it. It really comes down, it seems like, with Free Radical Design, who, of course, they made the Time Splitters games on the GameCube and other consoles, uh, and they were uh, uh, part of, or they, the developers used to work for Rare uh, and made GoldenEye. Uh, the biggest issue seemed like uh, around the game Haze, which I don't know if you guys remember the game Haze at all, oh my God, yeah. but um, uh, that game uh, did not do well, whether uh, <laughs> critically and commercially. And uh, LucasArts obviously didn't like that because that was a free radical design game. There's also rumors that that uh, they took a lot of the money that they got from LucasArts and diverted it to Haze instead of Battlefront 3. Who knows what actually happened here? Whatever it was, uh, the game was canceled by LucasArts. There's never been any kind of revival of it in that sense. And of course, EA took over and we all know how that went. But uh yeah, it's uh, it's too bad to see that we didn't get a Battlefront three, but um, I mean, I think if we did, it, it would have really just improved on everything that ha- was in two, any bugs that we had, and that leads me to my next question, which is uh, Jedi Geek Girl. Are there any cons to this game that you can think of, and things that you would have wanted to be improved in Battlefront three? I would definitely say that the space battles were repetitive. I think that's one of the reasons why you could skip it in campaign because once you played one space battle, you played them all and mm-hmm. the strategy was pretty much the same. You hopped in a ship from your ship and you flew to the enemy ship, you flew into the ship, you go into <laughs> the room and you destroyed like the shields and the engine. And it was just so simple and not as nuanced. I would have preferred there to be a little bit more variety in the space battle. I don't know how you would have done that in that time. At the very least, have more variety in the sides that you played against or played with. Like the ship layout were a little bit differently. Or if they put a little bit more emphasis on the space battle. 
part of it. I think that was the only downside. Oh, another downside is, is there was this mold in Battle, Battlefront 2 Classic, I think, which is better calling it. Um, but where you could play as the characters, like the heroes and villains against each other, but that was only limited to one map. I didn't really care for that. I wish that you would have more variety in the map that you could play with the heel versus villains uh, instead of just on Tatooine. But mm -hmm. I guess maybe that was a, uh, a size limitation because they wanted to make sure that you had a large area. I, I don't know. But basically those two things, the, the limited map for characters, uh, heel versus villain, and the repetitiveness of the space battle. Yeah, I think when it comes to the space battle, the best thing that they probably could have done would have been to shave it down to one space battle and just make it really good. Like, have it be maybe like an, a near the end of the game, like the movies, like like maybe have a space battle that's more of like a chase kind of thing, like they do mm -hmm. usually in the earlier parts of the films. You're trying to get away from like a Star Destroyer or a, a fleet of TIE Fighters or whatever. And then the final uh, space battle near the end of the game would be you trying to destroy the giant ship, whatever it is, if it's the Death Star or if it's whatever the giant Death Star was in Episode 7, you know, whatever it is that they need to put into the game to have a plot device. Like like build up to, build up to something big and don't make me do the same thing over and over again. Because like you said, the missions were very much just fly around, shoot a couple ships, land in on their ship and do the on-foot stuff, which is what you wanted to do anyway and then fly off ship and destroy their shield generator or whatever it was. I don't know if this is true or not or if this is some kind of just schoolyard rumor, but <laughs> I heard that on top of Battlefront 3, they even had plans for a Battlefront 4. Yep. And that game was supposed to be like Mike and I talked about a lot about on the GameCube Was Cool podcast is that after a developer has had two or three games to make uh, movie tie-in versions, they get the license or they get the... They get the keys, basically, to make their own ideas with that franchise. And they had this idea of making Battlefront 4 being basically alternate history Star Wars, which yep. is sounds so cool. <laughs> like, like you could see what happens if Anakin stayed a Jedi or if Yoda was a bad guy. I mean, like, I love that idea of just being able to, like, m tweak sides and, like, move, make, make Mace Windu a bad guy, make Qui-Gon Jinn a bad guy, make Count Dooku a good guy. Like, I think that that would be so cool to have that freedom of... Uh, basically customization of uh, of the levels even if it's not part of the campaign they could make a really cool alternate universe or an alternate timeline star wars campaign but just to be able to do that uh in uh in quick in instant action would be awesome yeah that does exist uh, that that was a thing battlefront 4 uh, it existed crazy. but was canceled uh they were making it as they were making 3 because 3 was basically done at the time uh and they were starting concept art on it you can actually go look up right now you can look up battlefront 4 uh dark luke Dark Side Luke, uh, very cool concept art, uh, very cool to see. That sounds awesome. For me, one of the things that I would have liked to have seen is definitely being able to like create your own character, like your own hero slash villain, yep. uh, or at the very least your very own trooper. Like you could like customize your the outfit and the weapons that your that your trooper could have more personalization. Uh, but you would we we talk about the console Star Wars Battlefronts, but you also had two exclusive ones for the PSP. Did you play those? No, I didn't. We actually, Mike and I went to a video game store a couple of weeks back, and we, we saw one of them on PSP. I think I might have played uh, it's Renegade, Renegade Squadron, right? That's one of them. I think I played that one briefly on like a demo disc, or I got like a UMD from a friend for a bit. It was very similar to uh, to Battlefront 2, just with like a few different levels and whatnot. No, I, mm -hmm. I, I would like to jump in and play them, though. Why? Have you, have you played them? Do you recommend one or the other? 
I have not. I think when I had the PSP, I think I played one of them, and I, I just really couldn't get into the PSP gaming because it felt like the games that you also had on console on the PSP were very stripped down, mm -hmm. unless they were exclusive on the PSP. Like, for example... Uh, I'm just shooting this out here as an example. I don't know if it's actually the case. Like a Tony Hawk game, like if you played it on a PSP, you know, it was floor van. It just, it w it felt like a shell of the console game uh, where, like I said, the exclusive PSP games uh, like Brotherhood, the RPG, actually, I, I don't remember what it is, uh, felt more in place with it. So if, if there was a game or a classic game on the PSP, you're just better off playing it on a console. So I haven't played it. Maybe they're worth playing it. Maybe they're not. You know, maybe you're just better off going out and buying uh Battlefront 2 Classic and buying an Xbox or a PlayStation 2 or 3 with backwards compatibility and playing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's too bad that those PSP games are stranded on PSP because that console, as much as I love it and as much as I loved it back in the day, it, it's getting hard to go back to, to play them with the controls, with the graphics. At the, It's hard to put yourself back in 2005 to 2008 mindset of playing handheld games and console gaming at the time it, it just was easier to play the games back in the day like that i had no problem playing battlefront 2 on psp and i play it now and i i jump when i mean to shoot i don't know how to aim i, I barely even know how to look up but I, I could play that game like nobody's like half asleep in bed or in, in a car ride and now i can barely <laughs> even play it if the sun is hitting it wrong so it, it's just hard to put yourself 18 years in the past to play a to play a video game from from back in the day but going back to battlefront 2 classic mike we didn't ask you what are some cons about uh, battlefront 2 that you think you'd like to improve well uh jedi geek girl stole my uh my, my <laughs> suggestion uh of uh of uh your own clone trooper and like being able to customize and everything that was the first thing i thought of when i was playing this game again uh, after you know only a year or two removed from playing knights of the old republic again was like oh i wish i had like my own guy like my own person in this i wish i could i could kind of steer them a little bit from dark side light side as well like uh, i think there there could have been a bit more opportunity for that for for three i certainly get why it wasn't this way in two like they already made some massive improvements from one so i, I get it. it it's a slow improvement but yeah, I would have loved to have my own kind of clone trooper to customize. Uh, and uh, in terms of the actual cons of the game, there's not a lot. You know, the, the, you guys mentioned the space battles for sure are a bit, are a bit boring. Uh, but the fact that you have just so much stuff in this game, so much stuff to do. Like it's the modes are endless. The amount of content in this game is is insane compared to the new Battlefronts, which will we'll touch on uh, very soon. Uh, but um, the AI for me is probably the, the only actual con that I have. I find that it, it would get stuck a lot on places like Naboo. They would just not really react to you sometimes that well. You could easily kind of cheese some of the, the villains. Uh, they, they would get stuck in corners. Like I, this is what I remember at least as a kid. I remember them getting stuck in corners all the time. Yeah, the enemy AI is a good point. Your memory serves you correctly. Like playing it this week, like you'd be you'd be shooting at a character and they don't even re react to you. Like they're yeah. just standing, looking the other way, and you're just <laughs> net knocking out their health. And then they might turn around at the last second before the you know, the droid gets blasted <laughs> into a thousand pieces or whatever. Or they'll you know you'll be shooting them, they'll be shooting you, and then they just turn and run the other way for no reason. <laughs> I, 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 there, there's that. There's that level, of, a little bit of jankiness uh, in a in a mid two thousands game, but. That's what games were like, and this was a very... Em but hey, no updates. No, no updates. This is how the game launched, is yeah. how the game is today, and it's still like it, it's still playable. It's not like it's a game... There's no major game-breaking bugs due to enemy AI being a little bit dumb. It would 
be nice to have the opportunity or the ability to uh, control what your play, what your characters on your team are doing. Just because, like, I feel like sometimes I'm in this zone with like it's me against ten enemy characters, and I have no reinforcements, and none of them are coming. So it would be nice to like have the ability to be like defend, attack, like support, which is kind of like uh, in that Star Wars Republic Commando game. I think it's a bit more tactical, mm-hmm. um, but to have the ability to control your your troops a little bit would be cool. Almost like you're their leader. That'd be pretty sweet, but like you said, the game is uh, how it was back in 2004. No updates, and still a joy to play today, but we've talked a lot about Battlefront 3, the cancelled Battlefront 3 and 4s from back in the day, and it seemed like for the longest time, Battlefront 2 would be the last that we'd ever see of the Battlefront series, but Obviously, it wasn't. We eventually got Battlefront rebooted uh, through EA in 2015 to a very much a mixed response uh, in the mid-2010s when Battlefront came back, part of the EA partnership with Disney. Did, did you play the Battlefront reboot in 2015? Yes, and not only did I play it, but I bought the deluxe version, and you want to talk about a cash grab uh, waste <laughs> of money uh, because I didn't play online. It was just like, it was such yeah. a disappointment. And as a collector, you know, I wanted to have it. But like, mm-hmm. for me, I didn't get much usage out of it because there was no campaign. And it basically, it was just a game that the primary purpose for it was multiplayer. And I'm like, I don't have any use for that. But disappointed, cash grab, waste of money. But, you know, it was what it was. Yeah. How about you, Mike? You, you played it too. I remember we, we all bought I bought it too. I, I didn't get the deluxe edition. I just bought, I pre-ordered it. and Or I think I actually got it as a gift. I can't remember if my friend of the show, Matt, bought it for me for my birthday as a pre-order. And uh, I got a poster with it. And then I played it. And I remember only having like five maps. And I think I had to get like a free t- a trial for PlayStation uh, Online to play it online. Because there was no, there's nothing to do alone. So you had to play <laughs> online. So I did that. And it got old after about a week. I might have played it f- for the weekend with some friends and then never played it again. But how about you, Mike? Do you remember when Battlefront came back? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I bought my PS4 uh, that day, actually. Uh, it was Boxing Day here in Canada and uh, bought the PS4 and bought Battlefront at the same time. I didn't really know. I guess I, I guess I don't know if I wasn't looking up what the game was about or if I didn't know that it didn't have a, a, a campaign or whatever. But I was just so disappointed because I still had, you know, it was still like only uh, less than 10 years ago at that point. It was pretty fresh in my memory, like the Battlefront 2 classic. Uh, so playing Battlefront 1, uh, this new one, was so disappointing. It looked good, but uh, even playing it online was like, okay, this is fun, I guess. Like, let's play heroes and villains and I'll be Luke Skywalker. Oh, okay. I died. Oh, the end. <laughs> it just is like, I don't know. It, it felt like the most soulless entry into any franchise I had ever seen. And it just, you said it, Jedi Girl, just felt like the biggest cash uh, grab of all time. Like, and then, you know, on top of that, the, all the microtransactions and everything, uh, all, all that fiasco, you could say. And, and it kind of spilled over to Battlefront 2. I'm not sure if you, uh, did you buy that as well? Oh, I did. I, I bought it. I bought the deluxe version and I actually liked <laughs> that one because you actually had a story mode, even though it wasn't that long. And I really enjoyed how the story mode was and how it played and seeing stuff. But again, I wasn't there for the multiplayer. It wasn't like Battlefront Classic and Battlefront 2 Classic 2 where you wanted to play the multiplayer even if it was just you. So, mm-hmm. But maybe that's just me. But I, I thought Battlefront 2 microtransactions aside was a huge turnaround because for me, if I'm going to play a game, uh, buy a game like multiplayer, what do I get out of it as a solo player? 
Uh, I, I agree. And I, I, I bought that. I didn't buy I had the deluxe edition, but I did buy the game, I think, uh, within the first week or two of playing it. I do remember it being super buggy on release. There was a lot of issues in terms of glitches, uh, glitches and everything. The story was like there was at least a story. There was at least a campaign. There's something to do single player. So that was good. And and it was definitely an improvement, but it just it still didn't grip me. In any kind of way that Battlefront 2 did, I was watching some some videos and uh, some uh, uh, kind of reviews of, of Battlefront 2 from back in the day and and now as well. For, for talking about classic at this point, uh, and and the big word that everyone used was addiction. It's like it was such an addicting game to play, and I 100% agree with that. Like playing Battlefront 2, all I wanted to do when I would play it at friends' houses or I would play with, on Neil's PSP. All I wanted to do was just play it again and go and play it constantly. Like that game was so addicting. One, because of the fact that you're playing it as all your favorite characters and everyone you know. Uh, two, the the other fact that the gameplay was fantastic and there was just um, um, so much stuff to do. Like literally endless amounts of fun could be had with that game. I couldn't say the same with the new Battlefront 2. I think it was still a good game. I think the graphics were great. I think the gameplay was solid, but it, it wasn't that same level of addicting, uh, at least for me. Yeah, it, it launched a bit of a mess. Like I know Jedi Geek Girl mentioned the microtransactions, which was that was a big controversial topic in video games back in the 2015 to 2019 era. I remember everything was loot boxes and microtransactions, and that was like the the worst thing in the world. Now it just seems like games don't work on certain consoles, but that's a whole other other issue. The, the Battlefront 2, I guess modern Battlefront 2, is a bit of a redemption story in that it did launch to all of those controversies, but I think if you play it now, it's actually worth playing. I've seen a lot of retrospective reviews, and since all the updates and DLC and they were able to add a bunch of uh, campaigns and missions and characters and, and environments from the later Star Wars movies from the uh, the sequel trilogy, as well as I think they added some stuff from Rogue One and maybe Solo as well. So it's a bit more of like a cohesive ultimate Star Wars story with all the trilogies, everything packed into one game. So it's probably worth looking into now. But yeah, I, I played it when it first came out too, like you did, Mike. I, I, don't, I didn't buy it. I think I got it from... It might have been a library game that I got because <laughs> my library had video games, which was awesome. And I just remember playing a bit of the campaign thinking, for some reason, one thing that I love about the classic Battlefront games is the dialogue between characters. It's witty. It's comical. It's it's cool. It sounds like it's from Star Wars movies and TV shows. A lot of the voice actors are in the cartoons that we've already talked about. There were some of the things that the characters were saying. I can't remember what it was exactly, but just in the Battlefront 2 remake where it just sounded like I was playing a Battlefield game. Like if I closed my yeah. eyes, like I, I'm pretty sure I heard somebody yell, watch my six. And I was like, <laughs> watch my six. <laughs> You know, usually like you just hear yeah. them yell like, you know, clankers or grenade, you know, stuff like that, like in the original classic games. But this one just felt like I was l playing a modern warfare battlefield game as opposed yeah. to a Star Wars game. And that just took me out of it. Star Wars has a style to it. And I feel like EA is, is very good at making modern shooters, like like what they've done with Battlefield and everything. Uh, but for Star Wars, that that was a mess of a of, a, of an arrangement, making the two failed I guess failed technically Battlefront games. And then the Jedi series seems to be really good. I loved Fallen Order and I'm excited to play Jedi Survivor. So they finally turned it around after what feels like 10 years. But it's just too bad to think that we, we may never see the Battlefront series again. It might be a while if they ever reboot it or remaster it. We'll have to wait and see. Yes, we will. Yeah, I mean... Hopefully, we'll see something in the future. But um, on that note, uh, Jedi Geek Girl, is there anything else you'd like to say about uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2 Classic before we let you go? 
I definitely for sure would like to see this game re-released on the Switch. Kind of like all the classic original yes. Star Wars games. I think this makes mm -hmm. too much sense. But I also think that they don't want to do it because it will pull attention from the current Star Wars Battlefront. And for me, I am so glad to have Star Wars Battlefront 2 Classic. But a part of me is sad that EA took a brand, a beloved brand and hollowed it out and changed it into something it is not. And I mm -hmm. hope that we will see someday, whether it's through a remake done right, or a remastered, or a re-release on the Switch as a digital download, uh, the rebirth of the Star Wars Battlefront brand that we all know and love. And if anybody hasn't played those original ones, especially the game that we're talking about, Star Wars Battlefront 2 Classic, go back and play it because the the newer games it, it it's not the same thing uh don't don't get confused by the name of the brand <laughs> it, it's not the same kind of game mm -hmm. yep no couldn't have said that better myself for sure and it's it's too bad that yeah that name has kind of been tainted a little bit but Neil, why don't we leave a jedi geek girl on uh for while we read the back of the case so she can listen to uh, everything that's on the back of this psp case maybe is that the one you have <laughs> i mean i have both i have the ps2 case and the psp case so since i played so much on the psp i suppose that's what i'll read it's basically the same uh the only difference is the psp has 13 new locations whereas the ps2 has 16 new locations so there you go so anyways victor Hit us with that sweet jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Fight more of the greatest Star Wars battle any way you want. Fight on the front lines where every weapon and vehicle is yours. And now, for the first time, Star Wars Battlefront 2 lets you fight as a Jedi, earn the ability to wield a lightsaber, and use force powers like Yoda and many other heroes and villains. Battle in space, dogfight in classic starships, or land on a Star Destroyer and fight on foot aboard enemy ships. Play 13 new locations, battle across Star Wars Episode 3 environments such as Mustafar and the Wookiee home of Kashyyyk. Very nice. That's PSP. Yeah, very good. I do love the box art for uh, for Battlefront 2 before before we uh, close out. Uh, I remember looking on Christmas morning uh, at this case for hours, waiting to be able to play it because I had to do family stuff first. But just the way that the game, the, the box just so easily conveys that th this game has space battles, this game has land battles. It's very much a good versus evil with Obi-Wan and, and Chewbacca being on one side and Darth Vader and clone troopers being on the other. Like, it's so cool. I love 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 the battlefront the original battlefront box arts compared to the new ones it's just so much nicer to look at oh i love it i i love the classic blue versus red you have the hero and obviously this is my childhood where obviously you have the original trilogy but the prequel trilogy which was the prequel at the time is front and center with the prequel trilogy version of obi-wan and revenge of the sith version of vader and the clone trooper as well as the space battle to me yeah it's just such a great cover art oh it's beautiful yeah i think they killed it with the box uh the box art even the main titles are so good with that they kind of pull over the box art in the same way where it's the the good versus evil on either side and showing you footage from the movies too in that in that menu screen uh is so cool i love that i think menu screens are kind of a lost art in terms of design and 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 battlefront 2 definitely kills it for that 
It's so much cooler than the Battlefront 2015 box art, which is a guy standing in front of an ad at and he's about to get destroyed. I don't know why that's a good, like, he's just about to get shot, but he's going to get just obliterated. But anyway, I don't even remember what Battlefront 2, re, uh, the new Battlefront 2 looks like. It's got, like, it's... The, the, like the the clone or the, the, the trooper with, like, the black helmet and everything. Oh, um, yeah, the pilot. Yeah, yeah the pilot. Okay. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah, not not as good covers, not as good uh, execution there for sure. But uh, before we let you go, uh, Jedi Geek Girl, uh, we'd love for you to take this time to plug uh, anything that you are working on uh, right now. Sure. I have rebooted my podcast. Now I focus on the game of Disney Locana, which is a TCG game encompassing everything Disney. The podcast name is still the same, I Rebel. You can find me at Jedi Geek Girl everywhere, and you can find my podcast everywhere at I Rebel Destiny. And I still have those at that episode recorded with you guys, and I'm planning on... editing it and releasing it as a lost episode as soon as I get some time and break. So it's there. Eventually it will come out. <laughs> we, we, we believe you. It's, it's, uh, it's in the archives for sure. And, uh, <laughs> uh, that was, that was our star Wars episode, right? Where we talked about, um, uh, the rogue leader and rogue squadron. Rogue leader. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. I'm excited yeah. to listen to that. That was like two years ago now or something like that. It's going to be fun <laughs> to go back and listen to us talk like for, from so long. ago. I'm excited to hear that. Please let us know when that's out. We will, we will promote it. I'm excited to, to hear what young Mike and Neil had to say about uh, rogue leader. The goal is to release it, not for you guys to listen to, but your children. <laughs> that's That's a good goal (laughs) that's a great goal I like that and uh, and yes everyone out there please uh, check out uh, Jedi Geek Girls podcast uh, I Rebel uh, great content over there and um yeah, we love having you on. We're really happy that you were able to come on to talk about some Star Wars uh, with us today. And of course, on May the 4th, we had to talk about our one of our favorite Star Wars games, Battlefront 2. And uh, yeah, we hope to see you real soon. Same. Thank you for having me on. May the 4th be with you. And may the 4th be with you. <laughs> <laughs> see you later. What a nice young lady. What a nice young lady. Thank you so much, Jedi Geek Girl, for coming on today. Really appreciate uh, having you on. Always great to have you to talk about some Star Wars stuff. Uh, She's, of course, been on for some other uh, games too, but it was nice to have her on for a good solid amount uh, this time. We usually have her on for like 15, 20 minutes uh, uh, when there's a bunch of other people on because, you know, people for the GameCube games, clamoring, Neil, clamoring Mm. to come on. And the phone lines, not as uh, lit up uh, this time. Uh, No, it was more that we'd like to talk to just one person at a time (laughs) nowadays, uh, one or two at the max, and uh, and really kind of get their insights on a game that they really, really love. And this is one that, of course, uh, she really loves. Put it, it put it in her top three Star Wars games of all time. I mean, how can this game not be in your top three Star Wars games of all time? It's 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 just a fantastic, fantastic piece of piece of art. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Like, if you ask anybody what's your favorite Star Wars games, I would be shocked if you know anybody couldn't stand. Even if you make an argument for Battlefront One, that's fine. I just feel like Battlefront needs to be in that yeah. conversation in some way. Uh, one of the two classic ones for sure. And Battlefront 2, I, I think it's the better of the two. Having not played much of Battlefront 1, I would love to, after, you know, once I have a bit of a free time, is jump back and play the first game just to see what the differences are, to see what different maps there are, uh, find out what uh, what all, what, you know, what started it all. I think that would be really cool. But it, it was it was great to have Jedi Geek Girl come on and talk about the game with her memories of it, playing it on Xbox back mm-hmm. in the day, which, I mean, I played it mostly on PSP. Uh, so it was cool to talk to somebody who uh, who had great memories of playing it on console and just making me feel even more like I probably missed out on uh, on some pretty awesome multi 
multiplayer memories with a with a sibling. But I'll say I've said it before and I'll say it again. I I can't believe this game wasn't on GameCube. That was that just feels like such a miss. The GameCube yep. was so, so great with the Rogue Leader games, and uh, I know we didn't get Knights of the Old Republic, but to have this would have been awesome. Yeah, we missed arguably like the two of the three best Star Wars games ever, which are Knights of the Old Republic and Star Wars Battlefront Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and these uh, Knights of the Old Republic coming out in two thousand three, good time for the GameCube, but I get it. It, it was very much a, a, a PC game more than anything. Uh, and and that makes sense. It, it, playing it without a mouse and keyboard it was actually a little strange to play on Switch. Still really cool, but but I get it. Uh, for this game, I don't think there's any reason why, especially Battlefront One, two thousand four. Like that could yeah. have easily been on GameCube. GameCube was still doing okay. You know, two thousand five, late two thousand five. I get it. I get it. You know, GameCube sales are very low. Uh, why bother at that point? But it's really sad. It's really sad to see considering that. Like you said, GameCube had some amazing Star Wars games. Like it had Outcast 2, or, or sorry, Jedi Knight 2, Out, uh, Jedi Outcast. <laughs> Terrible mm-hmm. titles. Jesus. I know. <laughs> but but <laughs> a, 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 a classic game had Bounty Hunter, it had the Clone Wars game, it had the Lego mm-hmm. Star Wars games. Like, really sad that we didn't get to get to see that on GameCube. But uh, there are a couple of things that I just want to mention, Neil, before uh, we, we close out and finish this episode off. Uh, firstly, we didn't really talk about it too much, but Galactic Conquest. That mm-hmm. is my favorite mode. I loved doing Galactic Conquest uh, back in the day and playing this. I would pay so much money for <laughs> just a Galactic Conquest game. The fact that they put this mode into Star Wars Battlefront 2 and just, just put it in as a mode rather than like mm-hmm. its own game, which is something EA probably would do, uh, is is amazing. Like There's so much content in there and... And uh, there's, of course, the different scenarios that you can start with. The Birth of Rebellion, Republic Sovereignty, Dark Reign of the Empire, and the Confederate Uprising. And, of course, you Mm -hmm. play as different people uh, while you're going through that. And, Neil, the endings. This is something I didn't know about that well as a kid. And now, looking back, I I learned about all the different endings that they have for um, for each scenario. Do you know about this? No, I didn't play Galactic Conquest when I was a kid. It was on the PSP version, but I I just wanted to play Instant Action. We we had I think they're they're titled slightly differently, but I played a little bit of them, and most of them were just I would play as I think it was Django Fett, and I'd be going around killing Ewoks or Gungans <laughs> on their. It was mostly just like a hunt. Yeah. Uh, the the mode called Hunt. It was basically that for the most part. It was either hunting uh, the 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 native species on that planet or. Uh, assassination missions. Those are the majority of them, and I didn't love that part of the game. I just wanted to be a part of an army fighting another army. So no, I didn't. And you're right. It is cool that they put this in as like a secondary campaign mode, basically like a, a Risk Star Wars yes. Risk version. But no, talk to me about these uh, these alternate endings. So it's so cool. Like we kind of mentioned with Battlefront Four, how they had uh, you know alternate history for Star Wars. Well, we kind of get that here. Birth of the Rebellion ending, it ends, it's the canon ending. It's it's how things end in uh, in New Hope. So mm. that's all good. Uh, everything's <laughs> everything's fine. We're all happy. Uh, Republic Sovereignty, that's a fun one. So uh, the, the Republic has reclaimed the galaxy. It ends with the defeat of General Grievous. Darth Sidious is killed by Mace Windu. Uh, mm. Anakin Skywalker becomes a Jedi Master. Uh, and all the Jedi who we see dying for Order 66, uh, that never occurs. They're all alive. The clones remain loyal to the Republic and the Jedi. And the Civil War never occurs. Anakin doesn't become Darth Vader. And um, the the song Battle of the Heroes is played. Uh, so, mm. Which is really cool because all the different endings have different songs. 
uh, and and different theme music. And I think that was really neat to, uh, to have throughout this. Dark Reign of the Empire, uh, uh, my personal favorite. I think this is a cool one. Uh, Boba Fett captures Han Solo and leaves him encased in carbonite at Jabba's palace. Vader captures Princess Leia and is seen force choking her. The Imperials push back the rebels uh, forces on Endor and defeat them in space battle as well. Luke surrenders. You see him kneeling to the Empire uh, Emperor on the Death Star 2. And then you see the Emperor and Darth Vader ruling the galaxy as uh, the Imperial March place. Oh my god, that's so cool. That's basically like what we were talking about there with Battlefront 4, where yeah. you have these alternate histories, but instead of them being the ending of the of the campaign, that is the start of the game. See, that's what I... that You can tell that that's what they wanted to eventually build up and do. Yeah. Man, that is awesome. That This is the type of stuff that I love in in, uh, in these <laughs> fantasy fiction worlds. Like, I don't necessarily always need to see sequels and and remakes and everything. I would love to, I love alternate history in, in real life and in fantasy. It's awesome. That, that, that is really cool. It makes me want to go back now and play some of these galactic conquests to see what it's all about. Now, now that I have the PC version <laughs> and I don't have to play the game on, on my PSP, as much as I love my PSP, I, I, I would much rather play it now on, uh, on PC. So I'm definitely going to check that out now. Oh, and I got one more for you, Neil. The Confederate yeah. Uprising. Uh, they have conquered the galaxy. The droid army annihilates the Republic forces, and then they lead an attack on the Jedi Temple with Darth Sidious as their leader. Uh, Anakin and Count Dooku are shown uh, dueling on Mustafar. Dooku kills Anakin on a bridge above a lava reservoir, and Darth Maul and Jango Fett are shown to be alive and well, battling the Republic on various planets. General Grievous then hunts down and kills the remaining Jedi. Duel of Fates plays in the background. Oh, you see, this is what the the movies did poorly, in my opinion, is that they killed a lot of these cool characters way too early with Qui-Gon Jinn and Darth Mm -hmm. Maul and uh, General Grievous. And the game uh, Battlefront allows the opportunity of bringing all these characters back because it's a video game. So it's so cool to think, like, what would it have been like if Darth Maul made it all the way through or if Count Dooku didn't get his head chopped off in the beginning of the third movie? Oh, that's so that's so awesome. I love that. That's that's great. (laughs) Yeah, see. This is what I loved as, as a kid too, and then yeah, seeing all the endings. They, so they're all you know, it's it's the same kind of cinematics. It's gameplay cinematics that they just make look uh, to make it look a bit more uh, and a little nicer mm-hmm. and everything. And they they up the animation there, and uh, and they they have the music in the background, the themes in the background as it's going. Mm-hmm. So very very cool. I, I I love that part of the game. If you haven't played that part of the game you you played battlefront 2 back in the day please check that out it's it's kind of a hidden gem i would say because people don't talk about galaxy conquest uh, that often but uh, uh the last thing i have for you neil is trivia some little easter eggs we love easter eggs um we have matthew wood who voiced uh, grievous in the films he also voiced grievous in this game which is kind of fun mm-hmm. the only other returning actor uh, of course, Tamara Morrison coming back to, to voice all the clones. Uh, during the Galactic Civil War battles, Imperials sometimes whistle the Imperial March. I remember this <laughs> as a kid. Uh, and even sometimes swear during prolonged periods of heated battles like on Mustafar. Oh, I didn't notice that. That definitely is not in the PSP version. <laughs> That's awesome, though. The, the game is rated T. Hold on. Let's see. For mild language and violence. So mm, strong language if you're mild. good enough. If you're good enough, you can get some strong language. Darth Maul is, of course, in this game. And sometimes when he appears, the clones will say, Darth Maul, what's he going to do? Bleed all over us? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's got to be a reference to Monty Python, right? Oh, oh, maybe, actually. Yeah. Oh, I just, yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're right. I, it is. Yeah, oh, I did hear yeah. I did hear about that Easter egg. I love the clones there, what they would say about certain characters. <laughs> like, oh, no, it's Jango Fett, and he brought his head. 
Yes, that's another one. Yeah, that ones. one, it's Major Malevolent, or sorry, General Grievous. Yeah. <laughs> that one, they'll say General Grievous. Uh, when they see Han Solo, they'll say Dirty Smuggler, or it's Han Solo, and he's shooting first. Yeah. That's not fair. <laughs> see, I love stuff like that. This is why I have an issue with Battlefront 2 EA saying, watch yes. your six. <laughs> so strange and the last one not an easter egg per se but just a a a cool fact um during the deactivation of xbox live for all the xbox original games uh, star wars battlefront 2 was recognized for having the second largest online community that was still playing the game uh prior to that deactivation number one being halo 2 so that's a that's that's a those are pretty big boots that they filled right there that's huge that that's awesome to think that this game was as big I mean, you're never going to beat Halo on an Xbox console, so no. that's that's an amazing feat for uh, for Battlefront. Can't say the same thing about the new games, but uh, yeah, I tried to play a little bit of Battlefront 2 on Steam online this week, but there was nobody really playing. I don't know if it's got <laughs> a very active online community anymore, sadly. But um, it would be nice to th- it would be nice to see uh, if they could make like a a thug, a Tony Hawk Pro Underground kind of thing, or uh, all of these different uh, communities that we've talked about over the years. Yeah, it would be nice, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, well, it's it's hard to see where Battlefront will go in the future. We talked a little bit with uh, Jedi Geek Girl about what we'd like to see. Before we fully finish, Neil, I think we have to uh, to start our new favorite segment. It's time to review that review. That's right, Mike. It's time to review that review of Battlefront 2. Of course, this segment is where Mike and I will go back and try and find some mostly negative reviews from games that we cover from back in the day and uh, kind of find out where they went wrong and uh, maybe how how horrible these reviews were. So for, for today's episode, Mike, I thought it would be interesting to review that review of Battlefront 2 Classic and Battlefront 2 EA from 2017, just to kind of get a glimpse of what the differences in the gaming market were like uh, between 2004 and 2017. So starting with Battlefront 2, we have Mark M on Metacritic who says, Horrible. The first game is better. The battles are sloppy. The characters are horrible. You can't get on the ground. All you can do is crouch. Playing as a Jedi ruins the Battlefront feel. No jetpack characters. The first one was creative. The second one just copied the first one, and that's it. So this review is objectively incorrect. Uh, There are jetpack characters in the game, um, and I don't know why they would think that playing as a Jedi ruins the Battlefront feel. That's arguably the best new feature in the game. Yeah, that's the only redeeming quality, I think, of this review. Also saying horrible to start is interesting, (laughs) but uh, the only redeeming quality, I think, is saying the first one was created, the second one just copied the first one. In a way, yes, we did talk about how uh, Battlefront 2 certainly replaced Battlefront 1, I feel like, which is these kind of games, this is kind of how this should go. <laughs> like, right? You should very much take everything that worked in your first game and just improve it. Don't try and rewrite the formula, improve the game. And this is kind of a lost art, unfortunately. Well, that's what a sequel is. It, it, <laughs> it's, it, like, imagine if Mario Two comes out and the reviews say it's horrible because you just play as Mario again. Like every video game yes. sequel is similar to its original. Uh, I will, I will give Mark a little bit of credit here that you can't lie prone in Battlefront Two, which is missing. You can only crouch. I, I would like the ability to lie down yeah. in Battlefront Two. That was missing. I'll give them that. Uh, but. Everything else in this. Not sure review. if I'd write that in a review. No, I mean, well, it's good to know, I suppose, but I don't know if that would like make or break it for you. The game is not a zero. Yeah. I'll tell you that right now. But jumping into no. the future in 2017, Battlefront 2, we have Adam P who says Dice did a pretty good job with the game overall. 
But what EA does continuously is unforgivable. Don't buy their games. My rating for EA, maybe 1 out of 10, is way too generous towards them. And yes, they changed a few things because the community forced them to. But don't stop there. We can unite to destroy the current cancerous AAA gaming industry. Boycott EA. I just love the... Di- I like that this is 1 out of 10. <laughs> I just love the difference in reviews between the uh, the 2000s and then the, the late 2010s. Like, just how we went from talking about the game itself. Like, we, we talked about the mechanics and the controls and the new elements and the characters and the environments and the graphics and everything. To basically, we, we talk about the video game the industry. Companies. Yes, the companies. We talk about boycotting companies. EA being rated one of the worst companies in the world in, I think it was in 2017. It's so interesting mm-hmm. how how much information we have now about these companies and the the way that money is made in games. Like people care so much about how much money games make. Where back in the day, even now, it doesn't make a damn difference to me if EA makes a billion dollars on a game. Is the game fun? That's really all that I care about. It, it's so interesting yep. that we went from talking about the games themselves to microtransactions. But what do you think about the uh, the difference in reviews? It's pretty funny. I like that this Battlefront 2 in 2017 got a 1 out of 10 and Battlefront 2 in 2005 got a 0 out of 10. Well, different people. From Mark. Different people. Uh, I, yeah, and yeah, the companies, that's interesting. Even starting with DICE saying that DICE did a pretty good job mm-hmm. overall. Uh, you rarely see Pandemic Studios being brought up uh, in any of those reviews from, from back in the day. It was mostly just about the game the gameplay why was it fun why is it good why does it work as soon as you, I, I, I boot it up instead of waiting hours and hours to play this game mm-hmm. but uh yeah this is this is how the gaming industry has 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 changed for sure and of course we do recommend picking this game up uh specifically on a console if you can mm-hmm. although it is cool to play on PC, psp it's definitely better to play it on some kind of console to get the full experience it seems like xbox is maybe the best one considering it has the most um uh downloadable characters and and extra features on it but in terms of where battlefront the series will go i i i think you know we've talked about it a lot already but i i think we'll get battlefront at some point but just not for a while uh ea seems to be doing critically and commercially very well with their new jedi series jedi survivor just launching this week for may the 4th so uh it's been it's it's definitely where ea is probably going to focus their their time and money i think like Jedi Geek Girl said, we will probably get a Switch port at some point, just not when EA is trying to release a new game. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably when it's uh, under the radar or something. Uh, kind of like they've been doing for all the other Star Wars games, kind of just putting them out there, right. you know, uh, on Switch, which has been very nice to see. You know, I don't need anything super fancy. I just want the game playable. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what things like KOTOR and um, and and Jedi Outcast have been able to to do for me. It, they're playable games that I can, I can just jump on the Switch and play them. And that's really awesome. So I hope we get more of that kind of stuff. We have already gotten Force Unleashed on the Switch. So it feels like Battlefront, uh, which is before Force Unleashed, should should be released anytime now so we will see but yeah i don't think we'll see a new battlefront for a, a long time yeah new battlefront feels like it's a ways off i i, I agree with what uh, you and jedi geek girl said i think that we will eventually see the battlefront classic games on switch and on playstation 4 in uh, some kind of a remas- remastered state basically the pc version now it runs yeah. really well on steam i love the look of it the lighting is perfect the graphics are good the audio is terrific 
Um, but yeah, we, we have seen a slow trickle of, uh, of all of the LucasArts games from the, the 90s and the 2000s come to Switch, and it's been great. This is an absolutely fantastic time to be a classic Star Wars fan in terms of the video games. We're getting everything on Switch and every console that you could possibly want. I was playing a little bit of Republic Commando a little while ago, and it's it's awesome. Like I would love the Battlefront mm-hmm. series, the classic Battlefront series, to get this treatment on Switch. I, I, I kind of disagree with the 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 fact that by releasing those games you'd be cannibalizing uh the new star wars games i think that people are going to play the new star wars games and they'll dip into playing battlefront classic one and two as kind of like a hop in game and play you know a little bit here and there 10 minutes 15 minutes when you have some time but i don't see battlefront yeah. 2 classic cannibalizing the jedi survivor games that uh that that, that come out uh from that come out from time to time now. And we're going to see another probably new Star Wars series come out. We've already seen a bunch of what Disney are doing with Star Wars. It feels like that Disney are finally kind of figuring out how to handle Star Wars as a franchise. I feel like the 2012 to 2019 era of Disney was a lot like when a teenager gets a job for the first time and they finally have money and they just blow it all on stupid stuff. Like they made some, <laughs> yeah. they made some poor decisions with the films. They made some poor decisions with the games, much like how a teen, how a teenager handles money for the first time. And now Disney are, <laughs> they're pivoting. They've held off on putting movies in theaters. They've, they've slowly and meticulously put out different video games, at least like they're not putting out games at a rapid clip anymore. So Bob Iger is back in Disney and he'll probably make some changes and whatnot, but Again, people talk about the companies now rather than the actual games. Um, mm-hmm. But it feels like now that they kind of have an idea of what to do with the franchise, I hope that they handle it with a bit more care. Uh, I- I'm sure that we will see a Battlefront successor at some point. Like kind of like at the Smash Ultimate of Battlefront, basically, where you can play as all of the different species, all on the different, uh, all on these different planets. You can you can match up. You can put heroes on different sides. You can basically play around with it like you're playing with action figures and playing with army men. Like it would be that, but in the Star Wars universe, we can have these alternate this alternate history game that I feel like we we desperately need in a Star Wars game. I think that would be absolutely awesome. I kind of hope that they get away from the Battlefront name, though. I think it's 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 had its time. It does very well. Um, at least if they come back with it, don't just call it Star Wars Battlefront. Do something with that so we don't have to talk about three different Star Wars Battlefronts, which we uh, obviously had some issues with that today, trying to figure mm. out which Battlefront game we were talking about. But that's where, in a nutshell, where I'd like to see it. I think it needs to take a bit of a break, give us the classic games again on console, and then come back in a couple of years when uh, maybe on PlayStation 6 or whatever. But we'll have to wait and see. Mike, while well, I'm waiting for the ultimate Battlefront crossover where I can play as Darth Jar Jar Binks versus Darth Maul, why don't you let listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 11 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast. Neil, we are going to be talking about our second feature film on this podcast series, and it is The Truman Show, the classic 1998 movie that's turning 25, if you can believe it, Neil. 25th anniversary next month. It's going to be really exciting to talk about it. It's honestly one of my favorite movies, and it's just... A movie that gets better every time you see it, in my opinion. Mm. It's uh, it's a bit of a twist movie, in a way. Uh, mm. yeah. <laughs> and uh, and we're definitely going to spoil it uh, throughout. So please, uh, just like the Batman Mask of the Phantasm uh, movie, if you haven't seen it and you don't want to be spoiled, don't listen to the episode. Uh, because <laughs> we're only going to spoil it. We're going to talk about the, the, the plot, everything about it. We're going to talk about the history of it, how it was made initially. Uh, Jim Carrey actually trying to do a bit of serious acting in this movie as well. So it's it's a lot of fun to talk about. It's uh, a movie that has definitely stood the test of time. There's even a disease named after this movie or dis- there's even a disorder named after this movie. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot to talk about for sure. And I'm really excited, Neil. Yeah, I, I love The Truman Show. I, I didn't see it until 
until I was a little bit older, which is good because as a kid, I, I love Jim Carrey, but I love Jim Carrey for The Mask and Ace Ventura and The Grinch and Dumb and Dumber, his comedies. And it was really cool. It's very cool that he did dip into doing a lot more of the dramatical roles, the more serious films. And this is probably arguably his best serious role. So it's going to be really cool to talk about it. It's basically like a Black Mirror episode way before Black Mirror was even a thing. Um, so I'm excited to rewatch it this week and talk about it next week with you. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 10 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better. You can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. All patrons get the show ad free and a little early. Thank you so much to everyone over there. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and join the weekly conversation on our Discord channel. Share us with your friends and family. Tell Commander Cody, Mike says hi. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. See you later. Bye-bye. The Unlocking What Was Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada, and hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Additional voices provided by Victor Young. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 level. I Rebel, Dean Donian, Joey Sirico, Marty Thompson, Double Ugly, Benito Benito, AJ Olson 11, Pedro Marquez, Cube Dude, Bogus Lotus, Jude, and Way Overrated. Yeah, Darth Jar Jar versus Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. Who do you, who who wins? I think Darth Jar Jar. I think he is the most powerful Force user on this planet. Darth Jar Jar is a freak. Like you have to imagine that he knows some stuff that Darth Maul doesn't. So uh, yeah. you have to imagine that he's trained in some really weird stuff, just based on everything about him. And I mean, I feel like Mandalorian is making this canon. I mean, we saw that Ahmed Best mm-hmm. Jedi became. You know what happened there. Neil, I think there's some truth to this. Oh, there's definitely some truth. I, I, I'm waiting for the Mandalorian to bring in. We need to see Gungans again. It's been too long. I think that uh, bring back Gungans. Uh, Kath, Kathleen Kennedy, if you're listening, do it. Hashtag bring back the Gungans. 2023. <laughs>